Jonathan Yee. What's up, man? Hey, how are you doing? How you, I'm doing excellent. <laughs> how are you doing? I am fine. I just got my wisdom teeth pulled, but you know, it's, you know, life goes on. It's a grind, right? I heard, I heard. And uh, for those of you listening, me and Johnny are in a competition. Actually, we're in a running competition. So we're trying to see who could run the most by the end of the semester. And right now, because Johnny got his wisdom teeth pulled. I am ahead by about six, seven miles, I think. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, flexing now, man. Flexing I'm flexing because I'm, I'm, I'm not going to hold on to it. Hey, I was ahead for a little bit, but you know. He I was, let, he was. You know, got to give him hope. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> how's your week four going, man? So week four has been pretty, pretty good. I, I can't complain. I haven't had my mental breakdown yet. So we're there scheduled for in about, I don't know, three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll come. It'll be there. But we got our first so those of you that don't know us, we, me and Johnny have our first exam coming up on Monday when you guys hear this. So by the time you guys hear this, we will likely have had our exam and potentially be gotten cake. wrecked by it. We'll see. Nah, or it'll be cake. It's cake. We'll see. I mean, see. I, I mean, for me, it's been, it's been okay. Even with my wisdom teeth pulled, oddly enough, this week has been a little bit more restful than last week. I don't know yeah. what it is. And we, we had a lot of big things happening, you know, both you, you and I, right? right? We had big things happening in terms of like we had PDR happen for our, one of the projects that we both collaborate in. And so yeah. you know, a lot of stuff happens, but overall, not a rough week. But like, I think Andrew's had a bit of a rough week because today, and we're going to probably be doing uh, yeah. this you know, on a weekly basis, right? Um, and I, I hopefully, you know, in the future may you know join in on this, but Andrew's partaking in an alcoholic drink. That's right. It's not, it's so, not too serious. It's just, it's just, it's just beer. But you want to introduce what beer you got today, man? Yeah. So today, so so what Johnny's saying is we're we're introducing a little bit of a new new segment, I guess. It's it's our, bringing it's our that, the alcohol. Yeah, bringing the alcohol to Aeroholics Anonymous. Um, we're gonna I'm gonna be sipping on a beer during every episode, and I'm gonna try to bring something new to the table. Tell you guys what it's what it's about, how it tastes. You know, I'm not a beer expert, so. By all, by no means take my word for anything I'm Judge saying, but you know, <laughs> but of course, if you're not 21, don't drink and don't drink and fly or anything like that. Right. Drink and fly. No. Yeah. We're going to crack this. Hear that? Yeah. I heard that. What is it, man? What you got? Mm, that's really good. So I got Steamworks flagship hazy IPA. That's really good. That's actually really, really good. All right. You're going to, you're going to sip on that throughout. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a chill. I'll let you guys uh, know how I like it at the end. Conversation. Enjoy my my Friday because we filled these on Friday, so I'll enjoy my Friday night with yeah. a nice beer. All right, for sure. All so, right, Johnny. Episode three. What do we got today? So we're talking about some really big news that happened in aerospace, and uh, I would even argue, you know, that it may be in mankind. You know, human, the human race, you know, as a whole has, you know, <laughs> I'm being geeky here, but we we got a pretty big W, right? I would say, I, you know, at least for the science community, right? And, I would agree. And I can drag this around and try to beat around the bush for as long as possible. I'm pretty dang excited to, you know, to talk about what 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 we're about to say. So go ahead, spill the beans. We're we're talking about the Perseverance NASA JPL, the newest Mars rover that is now on Mars' surface. It's Mars 2020, around. baby. Exactly. 
and it just landed successfully. And I don't know how big of a deal you guys think it is, but for me and Andrew, I mean, it's pretty big news, right? Yeah. So I know we talked about it the other day, but I mean, we're in a point in our lives, right? Where we obviously weren't around for the first moon missions and, and landings and stuff like that. But I would argue that this is the most important landing to date that me and you have experienced in our lives, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and and for multiple reasons. And we're going to cover that in the, in this episode when, when we talk about it. But this is a huge moment for 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 so many reasons, not just, you know, NASA JPL, but really the whole world and mm-hmm. all the, uh, the alliances of NASA and JPL, everybody around it. So crazy, crazy stuff happening. You know, if you are, if you're living under a rock, you don't know what's happening the last seven months, Mars 2020 in July launched perseverance Rover and has a whole bunch of science aboard. We're going to talk all about it. Talk about the past of NASA JPL and their launches um, what's new with the rover and 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 what this means for uh, the future of Mars and, and humanity, I guess. Right. So why right. don't you start this up? Yeah. So basically, I'm going to start off with the history. And we call that what's old. What's, what's old news now, which is a good thing in science, right? When right. it becomes old news, it's because we have something new out there. And really, old news starts with, you know, in science, it starts with a lot of failures. So actually, let me let me dive into the history here. Yeah, because you know we get a, a bigger appreciation for what happened a couple of days ago by diving into the history and what built up to this point. Right. So Andrew doesn't know this information. I, I did my own research on this. So hopefully, Andrew, you learned something from here too. Um, and 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 you know, uh, vice versa. What Andrew introduces will also be something that some of the stuff I don't know. Um, but here we go. So initially, the Mars mission started in October of 1960. It dated a lot okay. further back than I initially thought, and this not this didn't start with the U.S., but it actually started with the USSR, which is Soviet Russia, right. and um, they they tried to get to Mars, but they actually failed many times. Their first time was in October of 1960, and they they tried to reach Earth orbit, but they failed to even get to that point, um, and they proceeded to fail for their next five Mars missions. So in total, six failures by the USSR. And then in uh, 64, so four years later, the U.S. joined in, and they also failed along with them. And then the first successful launch was by the U.S. Um, just a couple of days afterwards. It's within the same month. It was in November, and it was a Mars flyby. And this was the Mariner 4 by NASA. Yeah. Right. And it was a success because, yeah, that was the intent. It was a Mars flyby, and they sent 21 photos of Mars back to Earth, first ever time. Round of applause for NASA. Round of applause for the U.S. Because I'm pretty sure the Cold War was still going on at the time. Twenty-one so, yeah, photos. That, you got to think, but twenty-one photos for the time is probably a you know a good amount of data, for, especially oh, yeah. considering it's being sent from yeah you know, where it no, is. No, we're like I think we're really really spoiled in comparison to you know that twenty-one photos back then is absolutely great, and I think is <laughs> is is a massive success. Right. So, that was the first success. And now there's a, there's a lot of like, you know, missions that went on in between, but I don't want to draw it out. Uh, but the first official landing, so this, I would consider this the next step in, you know, humanity and their success. The first official successful landing was by the USSR in 71. So not too far off, less than a decade away after the first successful mission to Mars. And this was the Mars 3 and it landed on the surface of Mars. Right. But- 
It failed within 110 seconds after landing. I yep, I I know about that one. I've heard about you, that. Oh, you did. I didn't know about <laughs> this. So after 110 seconds after landing, it failed because it basically just shut down. So what the USSR got was it got a gray image, like just gray, and then that was it. And so that was the first successful landing, but it was a failure in terms of mission because they expected more than that, right? Right. And then this is this is where it gets really spicy. The Viking missions. You've heard <laughs> right. of that, right? I, I'm pretty sure of a lot course, of people have of heard course. of Viking missions. If not, it's okay, right? But I personally have heard of this, and this is by NASA, and this is when NASA started. I don't know. I don't know why they started doing this, but they started sending two pairs of, um, you know, they sent an orbiter and a lander, and so the orbiter obviously stays in Mars's orbit, and then the lander actually lands on Mars's surface, and this was in '75, and this was a mission that was meant to last only 90 days, but actually exceeded that by a far amount. And the mission objective of this one was to find signs of life. And right. they had notable instrumentations on there, like cameras, um, water detection, infrared thermal mappers, a bio lab, and they had an arm as well. And I don't know if you guys know the difference between a lander and a rover, but a lander just stayed in place. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's not you know anything crazy, right? It stays in place, but it collects, you know, data, and it, it, it made some significant discoveries. First of all, it found out that Mars is cold. It also <laughs> found out that the soil is volcanic. It is mostly made up of carbon dioxide in its atmosphere, and there was evidence of ancient riverbeds and floodings. And this was all done just with you know this one mission, which is crazy. It's a lot of it's a lot of data to pull, and we all know this now, but back then this was brand new information, right? Right. Um, and in, the to in total, the mission lasted nearly six and a quarter years. So that was a big one. And um, a lot of failures occurred. And then I can go into all these other missions, but really where the cream of the crop starts to happen is, and, and where we really probably care about at this point is the first ever rover. And Andrew, do you know what the first ever rover is actually? I don't, I don't know the name, but I know, I think it's like 26 inches long or wide. Um, and I remember the dimensions roughly. It's like a really small, tiny, funky looking Wally thing. Yeah. So the the funky wall thing you're talking about, Sojourner. And Sojourner, Sojourner that's right. That's yeah, right. Sojourner didn't travel that much, and Sojourner also came with a Pathfinder, uh, with the Pathfinder, which was a lander as well. And um, they kind of were a buddies, and I think they didn't really stray too far from each other. So Sojourner kind of stayed close. And this, I don't know if you remember, I thought this was how all rovers landed. But this is the the lander where they use airbags. The airbags, yeah, yeah, and and basically it rolls on the floor. It like bounces yeah. off the floor in order to land. Um, this was pretty significant as well. Um, they found out that you know there was flowing water on Mars through you know the Sojourner and Pathfinder. Um, that the air was filled with magnetic dust. That there were clouds in Mars. I don't know if you knew that. I was really shocked by that. I did not know that. And they're abrupt temperature fluctuations yeah dude clouds that's pretty cool it's kind of <laughs> like earth maybe we'll be on there soon man but yeah so sojourner is the first rover on mars it didn't really get that far it was really tiny so it was it, it's kind of a pet project and i'm pretty sure andrew's going to be talking about a pet project in a little bit right what's that <laughs> I, I mean maybe i'm getting a little ahead, ahead of myself i think you'll you'll introduce you know something that nasa jpl was I think I would assume that the Sojourner was something that JPL was testing and experimenting at the time, but JPL is kind of going through that again right now. 
with a certain flying vehicle. Yeah, Is yeah, that what you're talking? Yeah, yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sorry. I, I, I mean, obviously guys, you know that we're just, you know, we, we, you know, we we're excited. This. This, yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> we don't and plan this is kind of we, what we do. Yeah, exactly. It's just conversation. Um, but yeah, the Pathfinder and the Sojourner was the first rover. And then the next two really notable ones were the Opportunity and Spirit. And Opportunity still holds the record for the longest mission on Mars. You know, it it, it arrived in 04 and it stopped in 18. So, right. you, know, you know, it was only supposed to be a 90-day mission as yeah. well, but it lasted quite a long time. And there were some really significant instrumentations on there, but the notable discoveries that opportunity and spirit brought were that they found out that the conditions on Mars were sustainable for sustaining microbial life. So life is possible on Mars and that Mars did have a period where it was wet, not icy or dry. Right. Okay. And I, you know, I'm jumping through these, right. But curiosity is the most recent Rover now. And it, that one arrived in 2012 and, and it's it still came, active. Exactly. It is still active and it came in on a sky crane. So no, no more, you know, no more weird airbags. I don't know. I don't know how the opportunity spirit came actually. Um, As opposed but, to no more weird airbags, but the idea of a sky crane isn't weird in it of itself like that. Well, that's a whole well, other topic that we could dive into, but geez. It, it, I mean, well, I, I appreciate the sky crane more. Oh, it, it, it's, it's brilliant. Right. But yeah, so I, I, I don't want to get sidetracked, but I had this whole thing. Like I wanted to talk about how, the idea of the sky crane is one of those things where you're like, I can't believe that really works, but right. we'll, I'll, I'll, like, we'll talk about that later. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure Andrew has a lot to give because I don't <laughs> have much information on that, but yeah. So basically curiosity is the first test of the sky crane, I believe. So that was another experimentation done by JPL to see if it's a proven product. And you know, they only get one chance at it. Right. And luckily yeah. it worked. And as you'll see in, you know, it just happened a couple of days ago, they did it again. But there were a lot more instrumentations on here, and I can name all of them. I believe there's 11 of them. But if I were to really chunk it out, basically, they had really, really good cameras on there. They had a lot of spectrometers. They had radiation detection, which was never done before. They had environmental sensors and atmospheric sensors. So all of these basically to see if life is you know, possible on Mars, if life was on Mars. And that was really, that's a mission that we're continuing to notice is being the objective for JPL NASA. And there have been a lot of discoveries of from like the Curiosity. Um, they found organic carbon in Mars, Mars's regolith, as they call Mars soil. And there are present and active methane, you know, deposits in Mars's atmosphere. And there's also radiation shocker. And that's probably because of the, th the thin atmosphere as well. Um, right. But yeah, so th these are things that we're slowly discovering through you know starting from 1960 basically or i mean you can argue 1964 up until now and it doesn't right. seem like much right but this is this is the best we can do with the distance that we have to cover where it takes seven minutes for light to travel from earth to mars and i think that's actually pretty you know it's a pretty substantial discovery considering that we can't even go there in person so yeah yeah i mean like that's, well yeah right Yet, yeah, exactly. Yet, we're, I'm not capping ourselves by any means. Let's not do that. But I mean, we have a long way to go. Oh but, yeah. I mean, considering, I guess the foundation that's been set, you know, for Mars and our travel to Mars, starting from the 1960s all the way up till now, 
I mean, we've come quite a long way. Going from lander to rover in itself was a pretty big deal, I think. Right. Um, and going from just a Mars flyby to to lander is a really big step as well. And I'm pretty excited to see what you know our future holds because ultimately, we, you know, I, I think the saying goes, the person that's gonna, the first person that's gonna be on Mars is already born. And I think that yes. blows my mind. But, yeah. You know, I'm so getting ahead of myself. Maybe it's when he goes that, listening. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh. Maybe it's somebody listening right now. Dude, yes, please. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically that's that's kind of the history and the foundation as to what has kind of I guess brought us to this point now with what happened a couple of days ago. So, you know, that is what's old. So, Andrew, how about you bring us what's new then? Let let's do that. But I actually I want to get a little sidetracked for a second, if that's okay, all right. That's with fine, you. man. That is all fine. right. So I want to I want to bring up something that a friend messaged me the other day with and cuz you know he he follows the space the aerospace side of things specifically more space and not aero I guess mm-hmm. um and he said you know are you going to be watching the rover landing I said of course I have it on right now and he said do you know that it comes down on a sky crane and I was like yeah it's it's it you know they did it with <laughs> curiosity right and he goes it he I don't know remember exactly what he said but he basically was saying that's insane and I started thinking about it and it is insane, right? Like absolutely crazy. But I also want everybody out there to keep in mind and you too, that when, you know, people thought at some point planes were crazy, right? They said, right. oh, planes will never work. Planes will never be safe. They'll never be fuel efficient. You'll never, never be able to fly anywhere safely. Right. And then, you know, what happens? We revolutionized the aerospace industry and now over a hundred thousand flights take off worldwide every single day. And that's, that's well, so it's crazy that that number might be a little dated cause that was pre COVID. So just putting that out mm-hmm. there, but roughly you could, you know, right. I'm right. sure it's somewhere close a hundred thousand flights. And if that doesn't do it for you, let's take a look at everybody's favorite company, SpaceX. They said nobody could privatize. Well, it's not necessarily privatized, but no private company could, could put a rocket in space. It would never work. It would never be safe. It would never be reliable. And now SpaceX is taking NASA astronauts to the ISS from American soil. So mm-hmm. all of the crazy ideas are crazy until it works. And then it's like, oh my God, it makes no, sense. It works. I mean, I mean, not only that, but they land a rocket back, the booster. Right, back. right, exactly. Nobody said you could reuse a rocket. So yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say is, all these crazy ideas, especially in aerospace, it's like, oh my God, these ideas, sometimes the craziest ideas are the ones that are going to work. We have this professor who's a systems professor. You probably know who I'm talking about. He, his whole thing is like, you take when your preliminary systems design, you take all your crazy ideas and you throw them at the board and then you go through them one by one. Yeah. And see what sticks. Exactly. So you know what? You have a crazy idea, run with it, dare to dream. It might be the next best thing. You never know. Yeah. Dude. A hundred percent. So, I mean, I want to add one more thing. I know. I know. Go ahead. No, is, go ahead. I, if we go long, we're sorry, guys. Like this is we're something just that we learned just recently. Um, people used to think that going supersonic was impossible. Right. Yeah. They, I mean, they, there's a reason why it's called the sound barrier. No right. one thought they, they thought that's where you stopped. Right. But re, like, after testing was done, right. They found out that it's possible. And a lot of things actually break the sound barrier. Right. And right. I mean, with, with a lot of study now, we know that a whip can break the sound barrier. We know that bullets break the sound barrier. Um, 
we don't want that plain sound break the sound barrier right but back then they they thought that once you break the sound barrier like it becomes extremely dangerous or it's impossible or you know like you suddenly go into stall maybe that was what i i don't know if i remember that correctly but they said something about it being extremely dangerous and it's nearly impossible you teleport into a fourth dimension maybe oh yeah maybe that maybe <laughs> that's what it is uh, that's where all our pilots are going you know yeah. but yeah like it was it was something that was considered impossible right? right and yet you know we we push we push the whatever we have and we we push the limit and we get to a point where it's like we we, we break that like we literally yeah. broke the sound barrier so, literally so that's yeah. a that's a word of advice from us you don't have to be a student anybody you know whatever you want to do chase it as long as you're not like harming yourself or other people i guess yeah is what we're trying mm -hmm. to say all right so, so let's talk new? about what's new yeah all right so first of all there's a lot new that's going on i'm not going to go over all the scientific experiments because you could look that up and you know we're here for the aerospace right but I will cover some details. So first of all, Perseverance, did you know, is the heaviest, you probably know this, is the heaviest rover to land on another planet. Right, right. It is about 2,300 pounds, whereas Curiosity was about, is about 1,900 pounds. So it's quite a bit of weight. Right, right. Around 400 pounds, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it, you know, it's landing with that Skycrane system that we talked about. That's mm -hmm. a lot of energy you got to take out of that, that system. As right. it approaches Mars, it's right. absolutely crazy. It's the fastest rover that we've ever sent to Mars. <laughs> so, Curiosity, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna paint you guys a little bit of picture. Curiosity Jeez. travels at 0. 0.087 miles per hour, whereas Perseverance travels at 0. 0.094. And I know that doesn't make sense to anybody, because what, what is a 0. 0.087 mile an hour? So, Johnny, I, oh, if you, if we were in a race, and you were on Curiosity. And I was a, I was on personal. Why, why, why am I curious? Because I'm winning in the race <laughs> that we're currently in. So you're going to be on the slower okay. rover. Right. That's fine, dude. If we drove from California, where we currently are, to New York, it would take you 1,437 days, about approximately. And it would take me 1,330 days. I would beat you by 107 days. Wow. That's a lot of time to run miles. That's dude. a lot of days. That's a lot of days. So, <laughs> but enough of the, you know, the nonsense, right? Let's talk about what is actually special. Okay. So this is, this is more moving into what, so what, right. And mm -hmm. I hope you give some input with this too. Um, so Mars 2020 is a smart, it is, is part of the, the Mars campaign. Do you know what the Mars campaign is, Johnny? I'm sure you've done some research yourself. I, I mean, I've heard of the Mars campaign quite a lot, especially through, uh, you know, we were actually both part of a project or not a project, a program called NCAS. And they talk about the Mars, um, was it campaign through that as well? But why don't you, why don't you fill everyone in on what it is, man? Let me explain, dive into what this Mars campaign is. So the Mars campaign is a multi-phase, multi-step mission that's going to last over the next couple of years. And when I say next couple of years, it's going to be a while. It's going to go to about 2030. So NASA just moved into phase one, which is Percy. Um, and Percy plays a critical role in the mission because she is tasked with traveling to locations that are specified by the scientists at JPL. And what they're going to do is they're going to use the onboard coring bit to take samples of various rocks that scientists at JPL decide are, are you know, that they want to take samples of. And what they're going to do is pretty unique. They're going to take those coring samples. They're going to seal them up. And, and they're able to do that because 
Percy has two robotic arms this time, as opposed to one with curiosity. So the rover takes a coring sample and an internal arm inside the chassis is able to take the sample, put it inside a, a pretty much a vial, a glass jar, which fun fact, I was listening to the NASA broadcast the other day. They said that these vials are the cleanest things ever made on earth. I mean, I think that is the expectation to have. We don't want any contamination. Right. It makes sense, but it's just intense to think, you know, these are the cleanest things on earth and they're just going to ship them <laughs> off to Mars, right? So, so the, I mean, I guess I have a follow-up question. How, how, how accurate do you think that is? I mean, you know, well, yeah, right. Well, you would expect it to be extremely clean, right? The question is like, I, I guess like, I don't know, maybe, maybe it is true. Like alcohol only cleans like what? 99.99% of things. And so maybe they finally figured out a way to kill that 0.01%. I'm kidding, <laughs> but we're getting sidetracked. Sorry. Go it's, on, Andrew. The point is these are really clean jars. Okay. Like they're, they're nothing like, you know, anyways. So what they're going to do is they're going to take those sealed samples um, and Percy is going to take them and drop them off at various desired locations that they've chosen. Okay. You following right. me so far? Yes, sir. The reason they're sealed and put in places for is because they're going to get recovered and which is one of the later phases of the campaign. So NASA has already partnered with the European Space Agency, which uh, is currently working on a few mission critical vehicles, which is, I, I just learned about this recently too. So I'm pretty excited. Um, so there's going to be the sample return lander. So basically what they're going to do is they're going to send something up. They're going to pick up those vials and then they're going to ship them back to earth. So in order to do that, they need to create another lander, which is going to navigate down to the red planet in a similar fashion that Percy did along with the lander. They're going to have a small Rover. So it might be like the small Rover that we sent out the first one. I forgot the name. The Sojourner. The Sojourner. But this one has a very specific task. It's going to go recover the samples. And then after it recovers all the samples, it's going to return back to that lander. And it has a, a specific reason it's going back to that lander. Because that lander is also a Mars Ascent vehicle. And I think, I know we talked about this the other day, Johnny, but I think Ascent vehicles are the coolest freaking things in the world because I, I get super, like, I hope, I pray that one day, I literally told you this the other day, right? I said, I hope one day my, something I worked on, hardware that I've been able to work on, I've touched, I've invested my life into, right. gets to land on another planet, celestial body, asteroid, whatever it is. I just wanted to either land on it or come up from it and either, you know, return something to it. The space station ISS, when we get the moon ISS going, I forgot what that's called. I think it's called like the, I don't know. I forgot. Sure. Um, no, it, it's something. We'll have to. I'll have to look into it. I wish we had a young Jamie. <laughs> um, but that's that's something to like. That's the goal for me, right? Like to to be able to say, oh, right. I was able to work on something that went to X, Y, and Z, right? Right, right. So when I read about this ascent vehicle, I was just like, man. I got so geeked out about it. So basically the ascent vehicle is going to launch from Mars. It's going to go into orbit around Mars and it's going to rendezvous with another vehicle, which is the earth return vehicle. And then it's going to be stored away in another safe, clean place on the earth return vehicle. Um, and then it's going to go on its long way home back to earth. And that, that they estimated it would be sometime around 2030. 
but that is assuming that everything in development currently goes according to plan. Um, and, and so, you know, there's no guarantee that that will happen by 2030, but that's the current uh, estimation right now. Dang. That is crazy, crazy. right? Absolutely that is, nuts. That is, I, I can't, you know, like I geek out over the fact that we have moon samples like here on earth and like not, right. not, not like, not like moon samples, like, oh, you know, like an asteroid hit the moon and, you know, bits of it entered earth's atmosphere and didn't get burned up. And therefore we have moon dust here on earth. I'm like, okay, yeah, I know that part. Right. But like we've extracted moon samples and now like we're going to experience this next level where we're not extracting just the moon samples, but now we're going to move on to the next step, which is extracting Mars samples. Right. Mars. And it's just crazy. And the reason is, so I didn't mention this. The reason why they want to bring these Mars samples back to earth is because it's, you know, it's very intense, the work that they're doing on Mars and you can't fit everything that they want onto these Mars rovers, right? You said there's a bunch of new equipment on it, but there's only so much you could fit on a rover. There's, oh, yeah. you know, it's, it's expensive to launch stuff in the space yeah. on a, I, I think that last estimate I saw, don't quote me on this for a kilogram on the Atlas 541, which is what it launched on. I think it was a 541. It costs $13,000 per pound or per kilogram. I'm sorry. So if you know, you want to, you want to do some hardcore analysis, it gets pricey and it's might not even be possible, right? Mini- miniaturization is in a, of itself a, cha- a task, right, a challenge. Right. So, um, but they want to bring it back down here. They want to get it to the most high tech lab they can on earth pretty much. And they want to analyze it for the signs of life that they're looking for on Mars, but they're back down here. Right. Um, and so that's the ultimate goal. Dang. And that's going to happen within our life. If everything goes, I mean, it probably will happen within our lifetime, right? regardless happen, of the right? timeline of whether or not it happens like on time or not. Yeah. It, you know, in the grand scheme of things, what's a couple of years late, right? Right. Right. All right. But I guess I saved the best for last oh, because please something big happened. Well, actually, I guess I can't say that because it's actually something really small. <laughs> I think it's four pounds. <laughs> That's cute. I love it. I might talk about ingenuity. (laughs) I I really want to. If I could find a reliable model, I might print it in pieces. So let's let's just let's just geek out for a moment and talk about this. Is you know we're alive to see another Wright brothers moment, right? Uh This is the first time this has ever happened. Okay. So for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, ingenuity is the first ever roadcraft that's going to be on another planet. And we're lucky enough to witness it, right? Mm-hmm. So Ingenuity is a small four-pound, multi-million-dollar helicopter. Um, so I, 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 I didn't calculate the cost per pound, but it's up there. Um, so it's a flight test for potential future missions, depending on how the flight test goes. And, and of course, there's a lot involved with all these missions. There's an incredible amount of stuff involved. Um, but there's a lot involved leading up to the actual flight. So let, let's talk about some of that. So NASA has confirmed... First of all, by the time you're hearing this, NASA has confirmed that JPL's received the first status reports of the helicopter and that everything as of right now seems to be operating as expected. So that's good, right? Yes. We would we would hate to invest all this time and, and money into ingenuity and find out, you know, it didn't survive impact. So as of right now, ingenuity is still attached to Percy 
And it's going to be like that for, for quite a bit of time. It, it should be somewhere about a month, maybe two months if conditions aren't ideal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but eventually JPL is going to give the green light that ingenuity is allowed to be lowered down onto the Mar- Martian surface. And for, for quite a bit of time after that happens, it's just going to hang out, take in the views, right? Enjoy that nice Mars sunrise, if you will. Uh, but, but what's actually happened, the reason for it is JPLs wanted to run some ch- tests. They want to make sure that the thing is charging because it has a solar panel. So I want to make sure it's charging up with the help of the sun. And it, want, it wants to, they, excuse me, they, they want to make sure that the thing doesn't freeze. Uh, because like you said, Johnny, it's, it's pretty cold up there. It fluctuates too. So they want to make sure that the thing doesn't freeze before they do any major flight testing. And then if anything, or if if all of those go well, then it's expected that Ingenuity will take flight within about a month of its, uh, after its deployment from the rover. So about a month, two months to get onto the Martian surface, and then maybe another month until we actually see some flight tests. So you, you know, if you're a sensible person, you're probably asking why, right? Like, why do we need a helicopter on Mars? You know? Um, yeah, that is but, yeah, definitely, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but you probably, you and me are like, you know, why <laughs> yeah. not? It's, it's cool. It, you could brag, right? <laughs> no, let's be serious. So the entire idea of traveling to Mars is, you know, it's believed, like you mentioned before, that Mars at some point was really similar to Earth from a geolog- geological standpoint, Right. Right. And so this is where that obsession of populating Mars has come from. So the basic idea behind it is that, you know, ingenuity could in a way pave the future for future or pave the way for future aerial travel on Mars. Um, whether the futures be crewed or uncrewed, at some point we plan on sending humans up to Mars. That's, you know, the whole goal of SpaceX. So we want to have a way to travel on Mars. And, and I'm not saying, you know, we're going to have full flight helicopter tours of Mars, but they want to be able to see mars a little bit better right now like i said perseverance even as the fastest rover it's still pretty slow Mm -hmm. so this helicopter will allow scientists to gather more information about mars using you know aerial photography and other means of viewing the planet and um it's just a more efficient faster way in some cases you know johnny you know we we've taken orbital mechanics putting something in an orbit around a planet is expensive right it's expensive it's It's hard to (laughs) and it's hard right the people at jpl could tell you that um, and not only that it's expensive, it's hard. And, and it's, once you have it in a place, right. It's, it's in that place, unless you have more fuel and then, you know, you add keep that's more costs on top of it. Right? right. Right. So this ingenuity allows, gives JPL this luxury of, you know, seeing a little bit more of the planet in a little bit more accessible way. And yeah, it's only going to be for, you know, this is a flight test. I want to emphasize that, that this is the very beginning. They just want to see, is this feasible? Is it possible? Um, so that, that's where ingenuity is going in, and that's why it's important. I mean, there's, there's countless reasons why this mission is important, right? Like you could, you could name it a million, but ultimately Mars, uh, believe it or not, we, we, well, we don't know, right. Is Mars the future? We don't know. But right now the idea is we're exploring Mars. We want to send humans there. We got to explore it, right. You wouldn't just want to show up to right. Mars and, and, and just, you know, what would you do at that? It's a one-way trip. You don't want a one-way trip, <laughs> yeah. right? You want to yeah. make it a round trip. Yeah. So yeah, no, no, I I definitely understand and feel that aspect of it. Um, is there more you want to add on for ingenuity? I, I think that's all I got for ingenuity. I, really? I have to say it is one of my favorite 
extraterrestrial vehicles vehicles excuse me oh yeah dude i mean that and maybe like the what is it i forget what they were called the moon the cars on the moon <laughs> oh the the uh for whatever reason i forgot what they're called too i forget um, too man um <laughs> but let me let me add a little bit more onto ingenuity because you know I, this is not supposed to be my form of expertise the agreement was i would do the history aspect and, and oh you're Andrew, calling me out no, 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 no. This was something that I was like, I'll do the history because, you know, I, you know, I'm a nice guy, you know, <laughs> I'm kidding. No, um, but um, the agreement was I would do history and Andrew would do, you know, what, what what's happening now and what's going on into the future. But, you know, I, I can't help but geek out a little bit more regarding the ingenuity, maybe because it's a little bit more, you know, geared towards my area of like interest, which is more of uh, aeronautics. So airplanes, right? But basically... Like ingenuity is only gonna be flying for ninety seconds, right? Right. That's right. a minute and a half. And 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 if you guys are like, okay, like, well, it has solar panels, it's gonna charge up, right? No, like, no, it's not. Um, w- once it does the ninety seconds of flight, it's done. the The solar panels are pri- primarily, from my understanding, done for recording the surrounding environment and taking in data, and that's that's about it, from my understanding. Um, now you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. You know say it somewhere, you know, email us and, and say, Hey, Johnny, you said this wrong and that wrong. That's fine. We'll take that. And maybe we can make a correction in the future, but that's my understanding of it now. And um, on top of that, the, the, the way that it's designed is it was meant to be less than four pounds. And the primary, the primary reason for my understanding is Mars gravity is only a third of earth's gravity. And so therefore it's really, it's really hard to generate lift, I believe as well, because the atmosphere is thin. And yes. so, making it light, making it as easy to lift as possible was really important. So we can see if flight is possible. And so, you know, those, those, you know, those factors really made it pretty exciting for me in terms of the ingenuity. And, and I, I mean, Andrew, you didn't say these things, right? I did not, but I think you're wrong. I'm sorry to tell you that. I think you are wrong. What? Um, ingenuity, as far as my research showed me, sorry, I didn't bring it up. I think they said as if everything goes right, it could fly only up to five times. Five. Oh, that's even better. That's even yeah. better news. I'm happy you corrected me then. <laughs> I, I I believe that that's the the latest I saw from NASA, and I'm I, I'm looking at it right now. So that's unless it changes. For but, sure. Right. So it's okay though. You know we're wrong. Yeah. No, no, it's no. That's that's good news for me because I thought it was one time and I, and I was excited, but now we're getting it five times. That makes me five times as excited. It's you know. It's I mean, assuming works, it right? doesn't careen into the ground, which we're okay, hoping doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, not, don't say that, man. <laughs> don't put it. But yeah, dude. I, I mean, overall, the conclusion is like it's exciting times, right? Oh, and absolutely. Big, big things happen, and um, yeah. I mean, I, I can't say anything else beyond I'm really excited for what happens out of this. I think, uh, regardless of whether or not ingenuity actually works, like the fact that we got a rover on to Mars. You know, we have two rovers now on Mars, right? They're just hanging out. They're being buddies, doing whatever rovers do. Exactly, and that's that's just exciting news for me. And I'm excited to see what they can, you know, what data can be extracted from it, and and so on. So, yeah. So I just I do want to add on to that. Everything that happens, so NASA JPL and everybody involved, because there's tons of companies like you know ULA was the launch vehicle that put right. this in into orbit or onto towards Mars, but. There is constant 
with all these Mars missions, every time we do this, we get better, right? I say mm-hmm. we, like I work there. I don't work there. That's uh, not me. Race. I take no credit. Right. Okay. Yeah. Human race. Fair. Um, but like I was looking at, I watched a video and I saw the, the anticipated landing zone. And I don't know if you saw it, but every single year it's gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. So right, basically right. what, what we're trying to say is, you know, NASA JPL constantly and everybody involved, just constantly pushing the bar, constantly improving. Um, and, and like, I know we just, we said it and it's like, we don't want to beat a dead horse, but we're living through moments, right? Brothers moments, crazy stuff is happening. We're alive to see it. The, we are the Mars generation, right? Like mm-hmm. that's right. That right. We're going to be alive and see somebody step foot on Mars. So it's just crazy. And it just really makes you want to pursue these crazy dreams and era, right? It's just mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's just, it's, it's hard not to geek out. And if, if you don't geek out, you know, on this, you know, that's fine. Right. <laughs> but, but I, I, you know, I hope, I hope many of you guys do find this, you know, what, what happened, you know, a couple of days ago and what's going to be happening in the near future, future to be quite exciting. And so, yeah. Is there anything else you want to add on to this, man? I don't think so. I think you guys should. Oh yeah, I do. I do. I'm, I almost <laughs> forgot. There's some other things that's going on. So by the time you've seen this or hear this, I'm sorry, not seen this. So uh, there's some people out there in the in the youtube sphere me and johnny were just talking about this that uh we're not going to go into that basically what i'm trying to say is by the time you hear this there's a good possibility that nasa will have gotten images from the rover videos potentially as well as sounds from the entry descent and landing phase so when the when the rover and the vehicle was approaching mars they were recording right Right. All that information. So by the, by the time you hear this, the, those videos might be published. It's it's very hard to get data from Mars. It's far, right? And right. they only have so much processing power aboard. Mm-hmm. And so they're slowly extracting data. So if you haven't seen it yet, open up Google, open up your web browser, look up Ingenuity, see what new pictures are. The pictures are crazy. I saw a picture... I don't know if you saw it today of the rover hanging off the sky crane. I did not. Oh, it's insane. It's just the craziest picture. And it's the first time we've ever been able to get that picture because like I said, we're constantly improving. This is the first time they've ever been able to send that picture back because they've never had that data before. Right. So if you haven't seen that picture, look it up. Oh, (laughs) intense, right? I just, Oh wow. That's crazy. So, okay. Google it. If you haven't seen it, look up what they're going to constantly send out pictures. It, it's going to be super cool to keep seeing it. And, you know, you're probably going to get by then a perseverance selfie or something pretty soon. Um, <laughs> as far as I know, the rover is just going to hang out for a few days. Um, I, I may be wrong, but if I remember correctly, the next steps are actually a, a software update, which I found was extremely surprising. Um, I, I thought it was hilarious too, because from my understanding, what happens is the entry descent team they use a certain type of software um, and they do that because they need to calculate their trajectory and map the Mars uh, ground. So they don't plummet into the Mars, into the surface. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But then once it lands, the surface team actually hangs out there and they take over because all these missions are broken up into, you know, sectors. Right. 
Right. And so the surface team, the EDL team hands off to the surface team and the surface team actually downloads a new software, which is already on the vehicle. It's just not, they, they basically need to reflash the system mm-hmm. with the new software. And I thought it was so funny because I could just see like in that preliminary systems meeting where they're like, we need this with the, the EDL team is like, we need X, Y, and Z in our, in our software. And the, the, the ground team or the surface team is like, nah, the best we could do is just give you a, a separate software. Like you guys are going to on your own for that, you know? Right, right, right. But so it's getting a, a, a software update pretty soon. So maybe by the time you hear this, that software update is done. Find out, Google it, be inspired. For sure. Dang, I didn't know that stuff. Thanks for telling me, man. Yep. So now you guys know a little bit about, about Perseverance, Ingenuity, Mars 2020. Keep watching. I don't know exactly when the Mars sample retrieval mission is going to start, but I'm sure you'll hear more about it as the hype grows, as the time approaches. But that's what we got from Mars. We're not done though, Johnny. We got a few more things to talk about. Yeah. So if we still have you, we're glad you're here. Um, (laughs) Some of you guys, some of you guys actually took, took our advice and I guess not advice, but you emailed us and messaged us. And we think it's really cool. We also want to give a huge shout out to the Reddit community because the Reddit aerospace community has just been blowing our stuff up and it's absolutely insane. Super crazy. You guys are the best. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. Um, We're really glad that you guys are responding so well to it. And yeah, shout out to you guys. That's really awesome. But we're here to answer some questions. Um, we have a few questions. So like I said, or like we said last time, we're going to try to take these questions. If whenever you guys send them in, we're going to try to answer it on the video. Um, we don't want to message you back because we feel like, you know, we're going to answer them or not on video on, on this podcast, podcast yeah. because it's, you know, a little bit more personal and, you know, we might be able to give you some good insight. Right. Mm-hmm. So I have, uh, I have a message here, Johnny, I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. So his name is Daniel S. Um, mm-hmm. He said he goes to Boulder for aerospace engineering. Um, awesome. I, I presume he's, he's in his first couple of years because he's asking that he said, I have a question for you guys because there's a lot of people making me fear that linear algebra is hard. I want to hear your guys' experience with this class and how to overcome it. Keep up the good work. So first of all, Daniel, thank you for the question. Thank and you. Thank you for the, the, the hype. But Johnny take this question away. Cause you have an, quite an experience with linear algebra. <laughs> Do I? <laughs> um, okay. I, okay. I, I, you know, reading this question, hearing this question, um, here's something that I notice: people making you fear a class is extremely common in engineering. And, and Andrew, if you, you know, what do what do you think, man? Every single class I've taken so far, <laughs> People say it's hard. And then I get into it and I'm like, man, it's really not that hard. I mean, there's a few classes where I'm like, dang, this is hard. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's, you can't listen to them. Most people, you know, just, yeah, it's, it's, don't worry about it. But Johnny's, we're going to elaborate. There's reasons why. So, so basically, I mean, let me, let me explain my experience of that. Right. I think every every semester, because we're at my school, you know, Andrew and I, we go to a school that's on a semester system. Every semester, we we basically take on a class or two that we hear is hard. So, you know, some of the classes I could throw out there, like would be maybe calculus two back then was something that was considered hard. Um, another one would be structures, dynamics, right? Cake. You know, 
<laughs> okay. See, Andrew's a good student. Those are not cakewalks for me. Um, yeah, dynamics was really hard. I'm very happy with the grade that I got, though. Right. But, you know, every every semester you're going to hear of a class that's hard. But really, um, as we said before, and this is something that we really come back to and kind of is a motto, you, you got to put in the work. If you grind it out, it really doesn't, it's not as overwhelming as you think it to be. If you can really chunk it out, take it step by step, it's not so bad. And so that's the same thing with linear algebra. Um, to be honest, I, I actually took a class and this is the way that I think most community colleges in our area do this where we take linear algebra and differential equations together. Now, I'll be honest, I did not pass linear algebra the first time, basically in DFEQ. So maybe that's what Andrew's pointing to by saying that I've had quite the experience, but um, I, I will be honest, I, I went into that class final, DFEQ and linear algebra with a B. And basically I came out with the D because the final just really destroyed me, but I was helping my friend out and he consistently stayed at a C and I helped him study for the final too. And so um, I don't know what happened, but you know, that, that was a summer class. And, you know, I was, I was basically in class for nearly four hours, Monday through like Friday, Monday That's through rough. Thursday, maybe. Yeah. So, you know, but then my, my second run through, it was much easier and, and albeit I still ended up with a, a B plus in the class because I wasn't trying so much because senioritis was hitting in terms of, I was getting ready to transfer and stuff like that. Um, it, you know, it's still, you know, it's, it's not a, a class that you need to, uh, be overwhelmed and, and, and put fear in about, but respect the class, put in the Absolutely. work, you know, if you respect the class, you put in the work and um, you'll, you'll be fine. And in terms of whether or not linear algebra is going to follow you into your, the rest of your classes, to a certain extent, it will, um, I believe it dabbles with systems of equations. And so that's basically what MATLAB is. And if you guys haven't heard of MATLAB, it's basically a programming language that Andrew absolutely abhors. And I actually kind of enjoy using it's actually um, the worst thing I ever made, <laughs> but, um, you know, MATLAB is, it, it basically kind of does linear algebra really well. <laughs> and so, you know, you, you should have a, a basic understanding of linear algebra, but you probably will not just like your other math classes. You won't be going as in depth, um, in those math classes and you'll really only be using the basic understanding of those math, um, ideas in practice in your engineering classes. And yeah, so you don't have to be, you know, fearing it, just respect the class. So yeah. I hope that really answers it really well. But Andrew, do you have anything else you want to add into that or you want to share? Yeah, your I don't want necessarily need to share my experience, but I'll add on to it a bit. Um, linear algebra does play a huge part in aerospace. You're going to be exposed to it. Um, definitely. If you take, we could take a course called spacecraft dynamics, basically how you control spacecraft in space. Um, which involves a lot, uh, uh, which involves a lot of linear algebra. And the reason is because you could describe a large system of equations, like Johnny said, in linear algebra really eloquently. Um, and you could, you know, describe like state space and, you know, multidimensional, you know, spaces and, and all that kind of stuff. And it all sounds complicated and, you know, it is, but what I'm trying to say is one linear algebra, the class that you take is not as hard as calculus. I don't think, hmm. I don't know if you agree with that. I, I agree. I agree with you on that. I thought calculus was the hardest. Um, linear algebra should be, like Johnny said, respected. It's going to take some work. It's very proof heavy. It is a little bit complex because you're dealing with like these really large dimension matrices that often can get very messy and there's a lot of proofs involved with it. Um, but it's possible. And another thing too is you're taught and every engineer at least is taught math in a level that is 
often much more involved that they need to be taught, but that's, you know, the curriculum. There's a lot involved that we don't actually use. So you probably will be really confused in the linear algebra class, but that the parts that you're confused about likely will, won't daunt you. Once you get into your upper division arrow classes, it'll be something totally different that you probably never learned because it's such a weird thing, but long story short, respect it, study. It's not impossible. Calc is way harder and you'll be fine. Sure. And get used to it because MATLAB is the worst. <laughs> but I guess there. MATLAB will take takes out some of the pain of linear algebra. That's the idea. But to me, it seems just as bad. Do you For have sure. anything to add, Johnny? No, that should be it. Hopefully, All right. Hopefully, Daniel, hopefully that was a, a pretty concise response to what you were looking for, man. Yeah. And all students, whenever somebody tells you a class is hard, don't pay attention to them. They probably don't know what they're talking about or it's really hard and just, you know, work harder. All right. I got another question. This one sure. is from Dan T. I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name. Um, so first of all, thank you for the message. It was really nice. We really support, or we really appreciate the sport. Um, but basically, you know, Johnny, you read this question too. And, and the mm -hmm. question, what it boils down to is they, they want to know if becoming an aerospace engineer requires a, a PE or FE. And for those of you that don't know what a PE is, a PE is a professional engineering certification. Right. And so that allows you to be you're, you're I guess you're an elevated engineer at some levels and, um, what it allows you to do is you get put into positions sometimes where you might be signing off on a final design of something that, mm -hmm. for instance, if a bridge is being designed, right, that bridge needs to be approved by professional engineers because, you know, they have industry experience. Um, and we'll get into what it takes to be a PE a little bit, but, you know, you would be the one, a team of professional engineers would be the ones to sign off on it. Also, if there's an accident, professional engineers are part of the investigation team that go on to an accident. Let's say a bridge falls down, God forbid, um, they would be part of the investigation process and also likely to testify. Right. So I looked up what it takes to be a professional engineer. Do you remember you want to take this or do you want me to say it? Um, no, I, I mean, I, I, I guess I could say it in a, a really concise way, but uh, I mean, let, let me, Oh, okay. So Dan, or, you know, take your time. Oh no, no. Like, Basically, my understanding is that in, in terms of becoming an aerospace engineer here in the States, you do not need a professional engineering certificate, nor do you need an FE. You can go immediately into, into the workforce without those certifications, right? Um, and she, she even followed it up with, do you need to you know, become an engineering intern or engineering training before you get your PE or FE, right? And, and to that, um, you, you should have some job experience under you before you get your PE. Is that correct, Andrew? So in order to get a PE in the United States, you have to have one, have the uh, engineering degree from an accredited university. You mm -hmm. have to work for four years in industry under somebody that has a PE. Right. And I'm, I'm sure that, you know, if you work for a company that, you know, your, your boss or a boss or a head or, you know, supervisor, somebody around you has a PE that will also classify, um, that will count. So you have to do that as well as you, of course, have to pass the 
the the examination that right. accompanies BE, as well as continue to basically continue in education. I'm sure you have to do some kind of some sort of hours per year or every two years, something like that, where you have to continue learning and expanding right. your knowledge. Yeah. So basically, the overall conclusion is no, you do not need a PE or FE in order to work in the aerospace industry um, here in the States with an undergrad, like undergraduate bachelor's of science degree, right? Right. Agreed. Yeah. You can, you can go immediately into it. But if you know, you want to push the, the, the limits, you want to go work and eventually at some point go get that PE. Um, I know it's, it's, it's intense, but you know, I know, I know people that have it. So, um, you know, if you could, if you could do it, it's valuable. Yeah. Definitely carries value. Right. So we hope that answers your question, Dan. Um, you know, keep fighting, keep doing your thing. Hopefully you get to where you want to be. I think it's really awesome that you want to change, you know, the education system where you're from. And it's really unfortunate that, you know, you're in that situation, but we, we hope you figure that out. I think Johnny's lagging a little bit on me, but that's okay. All right, Johnny, we have, one right, last I'm, question. I'm good. You ready for this last question? Okay. So, yes, sir. This one, I'm not going to like confuse me a little bit because this guy's from the United Kingdom. I don't know his name, but his, his username is Omelet the Frog. And I like the name. <laughs> this guy's in the UK and he's going into the sixth form. And basically, long story short, is he needs to pick three subjects to do at quote unquote A level. Excuse me, which gives he says gives universities an idea of how you're doing in academia. And I th I'm assuming what you want to go into. He said, "I've I'm going for math and physics, but I don't know about the third one. I know it's normal to do chemistry, and I'm assuming he means that you know people typically do chemistry. Mm -hmm. But he said I enjoy biology more. How important is chemistry knowledge at university, and what should I do? Let's see, yeah." You want to start off with this or should I, should I go in with it? Yeah, I could, I could start. So first of all, from an aerospace standpoint, I'll, I'll give you guys the aerospace spiel spiel. We don't use chemistry. We take one chemistry class. Yeah. Maybe two. Um, that's the max you'll ever take. Or at least we take out here. I shouldn't say that, but yeah, we take two. But other than that, we don't use chemistry at all. Um, I will say because we're in gas dynamics right now, that when you go into hypersonics um, or even high on the supersonic scale, I guess, mm -hmm. chemistry does come into play. But with that being said, it is very unlikely that the aerospace engineer in that position would be doing the actual chemistry aspect of things, right? He would have, mm -hmm. you would have a team of people and there would likely be a chemist on your team to help you, you know, work through whatever you're working through at least that's Probably. my understanding okay for sure um my i mean well i think what when he was explaining the sixth form as being something like high school is that correct yeah it sounds like he's about to go into university for sure i'm getting from um so i'll try to answer this in a way i guess as an aerospace engineering student as well and since you're asking us a question i would assume that you are interested in aerospace engineering. I think that chemistry is more useful than biology for an aerospace engineering student. And, there, and I'll give you a reason why. 
Um, biology really doesn't have much overlap with aerospace engineering courses. However, chemistry does because we we're taking thermodynamics and we take gas dynamics and some of those things with molar, like molar number and so you know, mole, you know, like there's a very small overlap. And yeah, you'll get the, that overlap through physics as well. But chemistry will be a small reinforcement to that. Now, um, Andrew seems to disagree with me, but <laughs> I, I mean, what I'm saying is basically you'll get a little bit more uh, of overlap. And you'll get a little bit more of a push and benefit towards chemistry when, when you choose chemistry over biology. But if you like biology, by all means, go try it out. You know, I'm not, I, I don't want to be one to, you know, um, stop you from taking biology. Um, but this is also coming from somebody that hates chemistry. I do not enjoy chemistry as well. So I, I'm really speaking out of, you know, I'm trying to come from a, a devil's advocate where I just stand back and I'm trying to say, hey, which one leans more towards aerospace? Um, but at the end of the day, it is your call. And if you enjoy biology, by all means, please take it. But yeah, Andrew, why, why do you disagree with me? Man? Pish posh, polywash. <laughs> okay, now, for sure. I, I, yes, there's overlap, but it's not, there's overlap, but it's not necessary. If you hate chemistry, well, I mean, you're going to be exposed to it kind of in a way, like Johnny said, there is overlap going to be exposed to these ideal gas equations which are you know all chemistry based and all these different things but what i'm saying is if you don't want to take chemistry now you don't absolutely need to to go into aero if you want to do that and like johnny said ultimately you got to do what's best for you you got to do what you like so if you don't like chemistry you like biology i know from experience i went into a program i didn't like i ended up leaving it so ultimately do what you want i think you'll be happier Typically, yeah. when you go into a program that you don't like, you tend to not do good because you're not interested in it. Right, right. Yeah. So that's a good way to. That's you know, our advice. Yeah. I Take like it, it how you will. Yeah. That is all of our questions for this week. We appreciate you guys all sending them in. As always, you could send them into Aeroholics Anonymous Podcast at gmail.com. We're going to be trying to take them the questions whenever we have them. Um, we really enjoy the questions and it's really cool to see you guys kind of like reaching out to us and offer asking us for advice. And that, like we said in the first episode is basically our ultimate goal. We want to help out. We want to, you know, entertain everybody and hope everybody's, you know, learning something and they find value in it, but also we want to be there to help out in any way we can, because we didn't have this resource, I guess, when we were in JC or in high school, middle school, wherever, whatever it is. So if we could help out, that's what we want to do. That's about that about wraps it up, right? I have nothing else. This beer was delicious. It was citrusy. I recommend it. Steamworks flagship hazy IPA. We're not sponsored by them, but we can be if you want to be. <laughs> All right. Is All right, it too it early nice for talking that? to you, man? It was nice talking to you. No, it's not too early. It's never too early. <laughs> Subtly dropping hints. All right, guys. We hope you enjoyed episode three, Airholics Anonymous podcast. We hope you enjoyed your flight. Johnny, why don't you go ahead and send us off, man? All right. We out. Later, guys. Later.